the electric chair, the comet's coming. Hey, it's Midnight Corey here, and welcome to another edition of The Electric Chair. Thank you for listening, as always. A great show for you this week, but before we get on to the fun stuff, I uh, got some things I want to talk about. Um, you know, first of all, of course, we're on Stitcher, Smart Radio, a great app for your phone, your tablet. Uh, we are part of the Horror Podcasting Alliance at horrorpodcastingalliance.blogspot.com and a lot of awesome shows there, so go check them out. And um, the video show, which I'm going to have another one released here shortly, The Electric Chair 2D, um, that's, uh, you know, available on YouTube, but also on spookshow.tv, which is a fantastic group of, uh, people making shows and all kinds of really, really great stuff. So, uh, yeah, go to spookshow.tv and check it out. Um, and, and speaking of the next video episode, that is when I'm going to, uh, have the winner, uh, draw the winner of uh, the John F.D. Taff giveaway contest, where uh, John has two copies of uh, Little Deaths that he's going to sign and personalize for our two winners. And I got a lot of entries for that. Of course, that's been uh, cut off now. I have all that I'm going to take, and I appreciate that uh, everybody uh, entered, who entered. And um, so, yeah, yeah, the drawing will be on the next uh, Electric Chair 2D, drawn right out of that hat of pain. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, speaking of contests, here's what I'm going to do. I want to announce a brand new contest. And uh, there, there are certain people out there that have been waiting for this because what I'm going to give away, um, they were actually, you know, a very limited edition kind of thing. And I got my hands on several of them. And I want to give them away to uh, some of you wonderful listeners. Um, where this all comes from is Voltra Video. Um, check them out. They're on Facebook. Um, one of the guys that's running it is uh, Jason West. Now, Jason, you know, he's been involved in uh, a lot of my podcasts for a long time. Um, and uh, he, he's been uh, sending stuff my way for forever to give away in contests and stuff. And I got to hang out with him at Cinema Wasteland here a couple years ago, which was really, really great. But uh, Jason is a fantastic guy, and I love what he's doing with Vulture Video. Basically, this company is releasing really crazy hard-to-find films on VHS. Yes, beautiful VHS in order to uh, raise cash for some of their own original projects. And it's really exciting. They've actually shot a couple kind of faux trailers, I think, and different things, which have looked really, really cool. And uh, so I really love what Jason's doing. I love the, the philosophy behind Voltra and, and everything. But uh, yeah, so they're releasing uh, these, these crazy movies on VHS. Their first release was a movie called Spine. It's from 1986, uh, written, produced, and directed by Justin Simmons and John Howard. Um, this is, you know, you, you can't find this hardly anywhere and, uh, they've got the rights to it and they've released it on VHS and I have three copies to give away. Now let you, uh, let me read, uh, what this movie is all about. A serial killer. Now this is from the back of the box here. I'm looking at the, the VHS right now, which is awesome. I just love holding a nice big VHS tape in my hands. This is great. Um, a serial killer is stalking nurses all over the city. There is no pattern except in the brutal way he kills all of them. The police have no clues and are frustrated in their attempts to stop him. The pressure on the police mounts with each killing. After killing two more nurses, the killer alters his pattern and breaks into a house where two nurses live, Carrie and Leah. He imprisons them and slowly the reasons behind his insanity are revealed. 
As his madness progresses, the two nurses desperately look for a way to escape. Finally, the killer tires of playing with his prey and decides to kill them. The bloodbath which ensues is horrible and terrifying and leads to a surprising and shocking ending. Oh yeah, yeah. So, um, you're going to want this. I got three of them to give away. We're going to have three winners here. And of course, I keep contests easy here on the electric chair because I don't want you to do a whole lot of work. I want a lot of people to enter. I, I, you know, I like to see a lot of people entering contests. And this is really exciting. So, all you got to do to enter is let me know one way or another that you want to be in the drawing. And, uh... I'll put you in. So uh, I'm going to leave this open for a couple weeks. Now you can uh, email me, Corey at MidnightCorey.com. You can get a hold of me on Facebook, of course, on the Electric Chair page, um, you know, which you can find out there. Uh, if you go to ElectricChairShow.com, uh, you can go to the contact page on there and send me a message. Uh, you can also find the links to Twitter and Facebook and everything. So just let me know through one of those avenues that you want to be in the Spine Giveaway Contest and three wonderful winners will be drawn so yeah yeah this will be open for a couple weeks like i said but uh yeah it's very cool go check out vulture video as well it's great great stuff and that's all very exciting um what else we got going on oh we got a great guest uh if you remember clear back to episode five of the electric chair i had a filmmaker on there by the name of sean ewart from right left turn productions and he came back and talked with me again uh, not long ago, and uh, we talk about kind of where his films are and kind of what he's doing now, and we talk about uh, you know, really what I think is a great film. Uh, he, he, I, th I think, disagrees <laughs> to a certain extent, but uh, we have fun talking. So I really appreciate that Sean came back on the show. I had a great time, and I uh, can't wait for you to hear that. And also, in celebration of, uh, you know, drawing the names here shortly for the John F.D. Taff uh, book giveaway, um, I am going to read one of the stories from Little Deaths uh, with John's permission. And actually, he emailed me and, uh, you know, said that uh, I could do that if I wanted, which was really great. Uh, I really appreciate it. So, uh, yeah, sit back and you're going to be able to enjoy uh, one of his fantastic stories on there. And it's one of my favorites, if not my uh, you know, favorite overall out of uh, Little Deaths. So that was uh, really fun to do. So, yes, that will be your tale from the electric chair this week. So, uh, yeah, that's all I got. Um, let's uh, get into the interview with Sean Yort, and then uh, I'll read you a story, and that'll be it. So, enjoy. Creepy place. Just right for some zombies. Well, I get to talk tonight with a return guest to the electric chair, and that is the man who is behind Right Left Turn Productions, Mr. Sean Yort. Sean, thanks for joining me again, man. Absolutely. Thanks for having me back. Absolutely, absolutely. Now it's been several months since we talked on the show, and uh, actually we've we've been kind of chatting back and forth over Skype and, and things a little bit, just trying to set something up. And we've been meaning to like get something going here for a while, but you know it just, you know we're always just kind of losing contact for a while, and you know I forget to respond or something, and you know it's just one of those things. So thanks for hanging in there with me. Absolutely. Well, you know, we're both so very important with such busy, busy lives. So. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I like to think so. Anyhow, I don't know if it's a reality <laughs> that uh, I really am that important. But, uh, you know, I am busy, you know, if that counts for anything. So, you know, but uh, no, you're a busy guy yourself. The last time, um, one of the major things we talked about, of course, was Sacrament. And uh, you're in the middle of uh, doing the Indiegogo thing. And, you know, you had you had some pretty high, high uh, hopes 
for that uh, as far as uh, fundraising and everything. It didn't, you know, it didn't quite pan out. Um, you got a little bit. Um, and the cool thing about Indiegogo is, you know, you get to keep some of it um, and put it towards the production. Right. And, and we did, you know, shoot for our full budget at the time. And uh, after talking to some other filmmakers that have used Indiegogo, they tend to do smaller uh, kind of increments. And, and really, that's probably what we should have done. But we uh, had not used it before. So uh, we decided, you know, let's let's go for the whole budget. And yeah, it didn't. It didn't quite turn out the way we expected it to, but you know, we did end up with a chunk of uh, our final budget, and uh, we've got some things in the works that will hopefully bring us uh, up to that number. You know? Yeah, yeah. And I really hope so, because again, I, I loved what I saw in the trailer, and uh, when you were talking about it, it just sounds like it's going to be really, really awesome. Um, so, but, uh, that's great. You know, I'm sure, you know, you, you do have some cash in your pocket now, at least, uh, and every little bit helps every little bit yeah. along the way. So, um, that's cool. But, uh, so you, are, are you thinking about maybe another run at Indiegogo or maybe Kickstarter or something, or are you maybe trying well, some different avenues? Part of the, uh, I think part of the issue that we had with Indiegogo is just the, we did have a, a problem with them towards the beginning of the campaign. Um, they had pulled our campaign down. Oh, that's uh, right. for for obscenely violent material and uh, uh, extre extremely graphic content. So we had to go back and we had to edit our uh, teaser and pull you know a good chunk of it out. Um, and um, between that and, and Kickstarter just having a much higher name recognition uh i think that we'll probably go with kickstarter uh for the next uh campaign yeah yeah that's cool but uh yeah i really hope so are you trying you know you mentioned you you went for the big the big number the first time around and you've talked to other people and they're like well maybe smaller increments are are, are the way to go so maybe are, are you going to set it up maybe doing several kickstarter campaigns of maybe smaller amounts and then just kind of uh yeah kind of saying well this one goes toward you know our our you know our, our shooting budget Easier you know or something or, yeah i think the idea is that people see the high number they're like oh you're never going to make that much and then they don't bother you know mm -hmm. uh donating but if you if you break it down into smaller pieces it, it seems a lot more manageable people don't get scared away by the big number um, so hopefully that's, that's the case. And, you know, we can actually bring in, uh, all the money we need in just, you know, smaller little batches. Yeah, no, I'm right with you. I think that's totally valid that I think when people say you put your number at like $2,500 or, you know, something like that, then right. really, I feel like if I got 50 bucks to kick in that that's really going a lot further toward, sure. you know, your, your, um, your cause and really getting right. that number up there rather than, man, if, you know, if, uh, off the bat, you ask for like 25 grand and, yep. you know, it's it's like, oh, man, all I can do is like, you know, 25 bucks. I mean, that's a drop, you know, that's a <laughs> drop in the bucket here. So why even why even bother? It makes total sense. Sure. So, sure. yeah, that's smart. But, uh, you know, you're, you're just feeling your way through things right now and, you know, learning right. a lot of stuff. So that's and uh, this is, this is going to be our first feature. So it. You know, we're, it's a learning process. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, you know, not to say that you haven't been involved in a lot before, and actually, you know, I'm looking back and I'm kind of interested because, um, you know, we didn't really get into a lot of former things that you've done and maybe things that are kind of, you know, just about to get out there um, right now because I'm looking on IMDb and, you know, you've been involved in quite a lot, um, you know, yeah. several yep. different projects here. But um, the one I'm interested in, there's a short that uh, I think IMDb says, or, or something out there says, like, seeking distribution. And that's, uh, I think, Jack's Bad Day. Um, Jack's Bad Day was actually our first film. Um, that we have uh, put it out there, and basically we just distribute it out of my office. And, and, you know, anybody wants a copy of it, we sell it super cheap just to get it out there. And awesome. um, at this point, any money that, that we make, on anything that we do just goes straight into Sacramento at this point. I mean, I, I, I paint also and anything we've, any of the paint paintings that I sell or any of the things that we sell, you know, for anything creative like that at all, like I said, just goes straight back into Sacramento at this point. That's cool. That's cool. I'd be, I'd be interested in that. So maybe we'll, uh, we'll talk here after the interview about right uh, getting some, cause I'd be interested in seeing that. And of course, supporting Sacrament at the same time. So absolutely, that sounds great. Absolutely. Um, but, uh, no, I love hearing that, uh, you know, you're not just a, a film guy. And I think I alluded to this, you know, when we talked before you do a lot of different stuff, but that's cool that you paint. I had no idea that you painted, uh, which is really yeah. great. Um, and, uh, you're into, I, I guess some photography as well. And yeah, yeah. just kind of, so it, it's really cool to hear that, uh, you're just an artist and it kind of manifests itself in a lot of different ways. And you don't just confine yourself saying, I'm a filmmaker, damn it. And that's what I'm going to do. Sure. And that's all I'm going to, you know, you're, you know, so you, you like to express yourself just in a lot of yeah. different ways, which is, and, awesome. I mean, I, I've been a photographer for, you know, since I was a kid and, uh, you know, that's been in, in, in films as far as doing set photography as far as doing location shots as far as you know got every, everything down to doing headshots for models all that kind of stuff so i mean i i try to bring that into film but i'm definitely a photographer outside of film um and then we do have a line of uh started out as uh sugar skulls they're you know little paper mache skulls that uh, i paint those up and they sell pretty quick so that all of that stuff just like i said just straight back into the films nice nice now now we're getting in here you know in the halloween season which i am so mm -hmm. pumped for this is my favorite time of year man and uh yeah. do you have anything special planned you know you mentioned the sugar skulls and things like that but now that halloween's coming you know or do you kind of amp things up a little bit as far as the, the kind of stuff you're doing or anything special for halloween yeah. Halloween for us is kind of year round. Um, I we, love it. Uh, this year are going to be going out to New Orleans to support our friend JT Seaton. Oh, nice. uh, and he's one that did uh, uh, George's intervention. Yeah. Uh, but we're going to be heading out to New Orleans. He puts on a film fest out there. Uh, it's a, a New Orleans horror film fest. I have to get you the address, but yeah. Uh, that's, I think they're in their second or third year now, and we're going to go out there and support him. So Beautiful. Oh, I, I'd love to get down. I've never been down to Nolens. You know, I'd, I'd yeah. love to get down there. It just has such character and such history. And, and, uh, oh, definitely. Uh, just the whole, you know, it's, it's down. You're getting down there almost into, like, weird kind of voodoo country. And, you know, it's where That's we, right. you know, we saw, um, oh, what was that movie? Um, was that the Hatchet? Hatchet. Yeah. 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 And, uh, 
So I'd, I'd just love to get down there and just hang out a little bit. And I'd, I I don't know that I want to do the Mardi Gras thing because it's, it's so – to me, it's so overblown. It's such a – right now, it's such a pop culture thing and just a – you know, I'd, I don't know if I'd yeah. want to do that. Have you ever – have you ever done that thing or have you ever been to I, uh, New Orleans at all? I have intentionally avoided Mardi Gras. <laughs> yeah. Um, but no, I mean, New Orleans is a really cool town. I have not been back since Katrina. So it's going to be really interesting to uh, see what the town's like now. Um, but no, it's a really cool town, really cool history. Um, and I, I, when the last time I was down there, I shot 30 rolls of film in <laughs> oh, two wow. days. Oh, man. Two days and came back with, you know, 30 rolls of film to develop. Um, and it, it's just it's a gorgeous place for a photographer to go and shoot. Oh, man. And I would lie. I, I shoot photography myself, you know, just not uh-huh. not professionally by any means, but just because I, I, it's fun. And uh, sure, that would be. Yeah. Wow. A lot of fun to do. So um, do you still shoot traditional film or are you like totally digital now? It makes me sad, but I switched over to the dark side, and uh. Uh, almost everything I shoot now is is digital. Um, yeah. and, and honestly, it's it's just out of convenience. Um, the yeah. the cameras now have developed to a point where I can get nearly the same shot out of a digital camera that I would get out of a film camera, um, and trying to find someone number one that sells film, uh, and number two that actually develops it, um, is becoming few and far between. Um, but without access to a dark room, I just, I have so much more control over what, what I put out now, yeah. uh, if I do it digitally. So, yeah. So you've done the dark room thing, like totally developing your own film and doing the printing and stuff like that. That's, absolutely. Wow. That's, that's, that's what I thought for a long time I was going to go into photojournalism and, uh, it, it, that I learned how to do that stuff at a fairly young age. So that's beautiful. But now it, it's really cool because I've uh, I've done the same thing. I, I did. Uh, I had actually a lot of photography classes in college, and that was still. Yeah. I, I was in college still when you know the digital photography was here, but it was still in its infancy. You couldn't get a really good camera unless you know you're real high end. They were they were still real yeah. expensive. Um, Absolutely. You know, and uh, so they were still teaching the darkroom thing and, uh, you know, started in black and white and went to color. And, and uh, you know, I am really grateful that I did that, that I know those concepts and had that sure. experience because so many of, uh, of those things translate into digital, um, you, you know, especially in post. You know, of course, you know, you're still, you know, working with F-stops and, you know, all that yeah. kind of stuff in the camera. But when you get into even Photoshop and things like that, a lot of what Photoshop is based on are like darkroom techniques and yeah, the kind absolutely. of uh, the jargon that you've used in, in the darkroom. And, and so, uh, yep. you know, it's, it's really cool. And so I can, I can appreciate that. But uh, yeah, yeah, I just remember, man, trying to do even things like, uh, you know, superimposing and, and doing mm-hmm. different, uh, you know, masking things in the darkroom. I mean, Dude, you had to get it right the first time, you or did. else you just wasted like seven hours or something ridiculous oh, yeah. like that. You know, it's uh... not only that, but the money involved in it. And I kind of liken it to using like a uh, rather than film uh, cameras for film, you're you're so everything switching over to digital, um, like the DSLRs. Um, it makes filmmaking that much more accessible. 
Um, and it's the same thing for, for, for photographers. You know, I, the cameras that I use have the same controls now that my old film cameras do. And I, I, I feel like I'm getting, I, I still have the control to get the images that I want. I'm just using a different medium to get it. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just, but really yeah, no, I, I, I was going to say, I, I fought the digital, uh, <laughs> thing for a long, long time. And, and now I feel like it's at least at a point that, you know, I feel like you're still creating something rather than, you know, doing everything in Photoshop and, and, and just creating an image in Photoshop. Now you can actually grab the image on the camera and, you know, do little tiny tweaks like you would do in a, in a dark room. Yeah. And it's amazing now what you can do, especially, uh, you know, we were talking uh, the last time about, you know, the cannons and, you know, you're, you were using, I think, the, the 5D Mark II uh, for Sacrament, at least the trailer. Is that right? Yep. And that's that's yeah. what we're planning on using for the film. So Beautiful, beautiful. And what I love about those cannons, and again, I don't know why, I'm, you know, we're going to the whole photography thing here on a horror podcast, <laughs> but whatever. I mean, this is I'm, I'm just loving it. But uh, the thing I love about the cannons, man, is you have such a great uh, array of lenses to use um, at your fingertips. And they've developed these over such a long period of time. So pretty much anything you want, uh, you you can get a hold of in in, uh, a Canon lens. Whereas, you know, I'm a Panasonic guy and um, I'm working with a a micro four thirds um, mount. So I'm, I'm severely limited to what I can do. But uh, man, you were you were yeah. smart to be sticking with the cannons. Uh, they just uh, they shoot some beautiful, beautiful uh, photos and video. I mean, holy yeah. cow! Um, what was it? Uh, what was that big TV show, like a network show that they shot here a few years ago? Um, it was all on a on a Mark II. That was um, yeah. I can't remember what that was, but yeah, I, I've just been a really big fan of Canon for years. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the cameras, the film cameras that I've held on to over the years have been Canon, you know, and, and I don't, there's things that I would never want to get rid of just because I, they take such amazing pictures when they're in the right hands, you know? Yeah. 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 And, uh, you know, one thing though, that I've, uh, I've noticed and, um, had to experience and deal with using DSLRs, uh, for video production, especially is, uh, the stabilization um, yeah. and it, it's a rough thing. And I did, if, if I have to criticize uh, sacrament at all, which I, I hate to do because it, it looks so cool. And I, I, I just really hope that it gets made and I, I want to see it. But, um, you know, using the DSLR, there's, there's a lot of shaky kind of things going on because it is so hard to stabilize, um, those cameras. So, um, have you looked into like stabilization techniques? I know, you know, a steady cam, uh, that that's kind of hit or miss because if you want the really really good the chest mounted things and and stuff yeah. I mean you're looking at several thousand dollars, um, and of course you can go the cheaper route with more uh, even DIY kind of things where you're spending a hundred dollars or less and then everything yep. in between. So um, have you looked into any kind of stabilization stuff? Uh, you know, and how have you looked? We have at actually. Um there's a lot of stuff out there on the web now um, put out by people that are using these DSLRs for, for film. Um, and, and, you know, here's how I built this, you know, here's how you can build it. Mm-hmm. Um, and we have actually built uh, some rigs now that we didn't have at the time um, just to cut out some of that shake. Um, 
and, and doing any kind of a handheld, you are always going to have some shake. Yeah. Um, but uh, no, we we've definitely made some hopefully improvements um, to maybe clean some of that up uh, when we get to the actual film. Yeah, that's cool. That's cool. Now, uh, uh, what if you know you don't mind me asking, uh, what kind of uh, editing suite do you have going on? What kind of uh, software are you on a Mac or a PC? What kind of stuff do you use? I hesitate to say it, but I, I am a PC guy. So I love you. Uh, I love you. That's uh, I'm, I'm there too, man. So PC, you know, it, I like uh, Adobe uh, Premiere, mm-hmm. um, and that's what I learned. I mean, we we kind of went through the learning process when we were uh, working on the teaser for Sacrament, just learning how to edit because it's something I've never done before. Um, but we went through that process because that's what I have, so that's what we use. Um, and a lot of filmmakers really look down on anyone that isn't using uh, a Mac. And uh, it's, it's you know, for, for me, it's whatever you're more comfortable with. If you, if you have the footage there, if you have the shots, uh, the editing is, is what's more comfortable for you. So, Well, it's the... It's the- artist it's not the tools that the artist use right, you know what i mean right. and yeah so and, and adobe is amazing and you can do anything with premiere that you can do with final cut i'm sorry you know it's and and to me actually i've used both and i so prefer uh, uh premiere uh the the whole adobe suite how everything integrates you know with photoshop and illustrator and after effects right. and everything i mean it's it's a beautiful thing um yeah so that's uh that's where i am too and uh i so, i, I, I mean, I'm sorry, Don't get me wrong. Ahead. No, no, no. Go ahead. Final Cut is a great program, and I've seen some people do some really great stuff with it. Um, but to me, Adobe is just far more intuitive, um, and it's something that you don't necessarily need a degree to go in and and figure out how to use. Um, yeah. Adobe for me, I, I, I'm just so comfortable with Photoshop, with with Adobe Suite in general um, that. To me, walking into Premiere was so much easier than trying to uh, figure out uh, Final Cut. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Uh, Adobe has, uh, I think, gone to great lengths to make the user experience very intuitive. And, Absolutely. Uh, so that's uh, you know, I'm totally lying. I'm, it's just you have no idea how happy I am that I finally met a filmmaker <laughs> who's who's on a PC using Premiere and uh, totally yeah. into. Do you know? Uh, do you use uh, After Effects? at all are you into that um i really am trying to stay away from that um what we're we're gonna do our best to have as little um of that kind of work in sacrament as possible uh i really want to keep it as as pure as possible and if i don't get it in the shot i i kind of hesitate to put it in the film um obviously there's going to be some color correction some lighting some of that kind of stuff um, but as far as putting anything into the film that isn't really there, I, I just have a problem with it. Well, yeah, no, uh, the reason I'm, I'm saying that, not necessarily because I'm, I'm, I'm thinking you, you ought to have, uh, you know, use some CG and put some stuff in there. Right. But um, in the last version, even the last version and a half, I think, starting with 5.5, um, uh-huh. After Effects has put in this amazing functionality called uh, the Warp Stabilizer. 
yeah. which uh, you run this on on a shot that is maybe a little shaky. Again, going back to the stabilization thing, and if you're looking mm-hmm. into other, you know, different alternatives to stabilize footage, um, this warp stabilizer is a godsend. Um, yeah. It saved a lot of the shots that I use for different projects um, yeah. because it goes in and it is very, very good at uh, stabilizing clips without making it obvious that it's stretching things and maybe yeah. uh, scaling things a little bit. This is the best that I've seen by far of anything. So if you if you happen to have access to 5.5 or later, um, yeah. that's a, um, an amazing uh, a filter that you can run on something that might, you know, help a little bit with that. Sure. If you have a shot that's a little too shaky and you'd really like to use it. Um, but it's worked some yeah. wonders, man. I think that uh, one of the guys that we're going to have working on the post with us, uh, he is a lot more uh, versed in uh, After Effects and things like that. And I think that that if we need anything along those lines, uh, I'm really happy to have someone uh, his name is Abel Barry, um, someone that has that experience with it. Uh, and they just finished, um, they're, I guess, finishing the editing process on a new film of theirs. And uh, uh, I think we talked about Pot Zombies 2 last time. Yeah. Uh, he's, he's doing a lot of uh, the post on Pot Zombies 2 as well. Awesome. Awesome. That's um, Justin Powers? It, uh, that is Justin Powers. Yes, yep. yes. I've... Man, I can't wait. Pod Zombies was uh, crazy in a lot of regards. Um, that's and, that's one word for it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was uh, definitely original. And uh, yeah, I uh, I have to go back. It's been so many years now since I rated that. You know, reviewed it on the on the show. Sure. And uh, I totally want to go back. It is you know, I remember them being green and smoking a lot of weed. Yeah. And I, I, you know, I, I don't know, but uh, it it was a lot of fun. I remember. And uh, whenever we talked the last time. Uh, you mentioned Pod Zombies too, and I was really excited that that was getting made. Um, they have wrapped it, uh, and nice. they are in post right now. So I, I'm pretty excited to see it. I got to do uh, a little bit of uh, set photography for them on this one, and uh, I'm really nice. excited to see it. I, I think that this is going to be a definitely uh, interesting <laughs> sequel to the original. Uh, I've, I've seen some of the... Uh, some of the scenes that are in this one and uh yeah yeah it's gonna be interesting i would expect no less you know yeah, definitely. <laughs> but uh, since then actually i mean uh, pot zombies um somebody asked me at one point if i'd ever seen bong of the dead and uh i'd immediately in my mind i thought pot zombies and so i started right. talking about it and i'm like oh yeah i saw that and you know it was just you know i don't know and um but here, I hadn't seen, you know, Bong of the Dead. And, you know, of course, the, the conversation got all screwed up because we were talking about two different movies. But right. uh, have you happened to um, see Bong of the Dead by any chance? Because it's a... I have not. I have it's, not. It's a crazy movie. It's, it's basically uh, the zombie apocalypse happens. And then uh, these two stoner guys find that if you grind up zombie brains and you use them for fertilizer in your <laughs> weed garden, that uh, you grow like Superbud. You know, and it, and that's that's you know that's the premise of the whole movie, and it's a lot of fun actually. It's it's a, it's a uh-huh. great film, but um, and it's really fun. And then of course, you know, I start looking up all these stoner zombie movies, you know, these stoner horror yes. movies, and I just happened to this, you know, in this whole batch of Charles Band movies. You know, if you know Charles Band from Full Moon yeah. Entertainment, 
And he oh, yeah. he did uh, this whole series of movies called Evil Bong. And Evil there's Bong. Yep. Yeah. And so there's like three of them and I'm like, well, "What the hell? I love Charles Moon. I love, you know, Full Moon Entertainment or Char- right. Charles Band and uh, Full Moon Ent- Entertainment." So I went and I ordered uh, all three movies. And they're sitting mm-hmm. here. I haven't watched them yet. But um you know, it's like I the whole the stoner one. horror thing is crazy. Yeah. Well, it, the, the two definitely go hand in hand. So. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. You you said you saw the first one. I have I have seen the first one. I'm not gonna uh, ruin it for you. Okay. There is a lot of pot smoking. I'll tell you that. Uh yeah, yeah. I kind of expected that, and um, you know, I I kind of I understand the whole Charles Band thing. You know, I I'm, yeah. I know what kind yeah. of to expect uh, from him. And everything, and but you, uh, will, you will you will definitely get that <laughs> far out. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. And uh, yeah, so I was kind of interested in that. But um, wow, wow, we've already gone quite a few places here. Just you know, talking here tonight, then uh, you know, I, I just had no idea. Um, anything else uh, that you've been doing that's cool? I mean, you know, of course, working a lot on Sacrament and getting some getting some cash in your pocket for that, but. Uh, any uh, any other big plans here that you got going on, or uh, you just kind of focus on on uh, what you got at hand? Right now, um, really, we have to focus on Sacrament. Um, we've got some people uh, interested in in coming out and being in it. Uh, talked to a friend of ours out in L.A. that uh, we're already planning on him coming out and uh, reading for a couple of parts and kind of deciding which one we we think fits him best. Um, and uh, that's that's really that has to be our focus now. Um, I, I've turned down a couple of things that I, I really I think would be a lot of fun. But if I don't put the focus on this, it's never going to get done. So, yeah, well, that's great. I'm, I'm happy to see that uh, you're focusing on this, which I think is yep. a, a smart move because I've, I've loved everything that you've talked about and what I've seen um, rather than just trying to spread yourself, you know, and maybe dilute your your uh, attention. You know, yeah, and, uh, and that's really what it boils down to. Yeah, um, you know, we it, there as every time we turn around, there's something that you know that'd be a lot of fun to work on. That'd be a lot of fun to work on. But if, if we keep doing that, we're just pushing this out further, and and I don't want people to lose interest. I don't want us to lose interest in it. I mean, we're still very much uh, in love with the idea of this film, and uh, I really, I really want to see it get made. So yeah, and anything that I can do to uh, kind of help this process along for you man just let me know you know if i can promote something or or whatever you know it's um it's all good so and uh you know especially you know buying this uh this short and uh again we'll talk about that later but uh oh yeah but uh you know it was funny when we were talking about uh you know you you were coming back on the show and i'm like well is it my turn to choose a movie that we can talk about here tonight And, and you're like yeah go for it pick a movie and um the first one um um, I'm not sure if you got it on, on Netflix or not, but, uh, not yet. yeah. So you're like, well, I don't know if I'll get it in. So let's, let's pick another one that maybe we could talk about. And I chose uh night of the comet from uh, 1984. Um, yeah. And I don't, I don't know whether to thank you about for that one or not. Well, it was funny. I, I wanted to ask you about this because, uh, on our chat that we had about this, um, you know, I didn't know whether this. I got to bring this up first of all. Let me let me bring this up exactly so I can um, see what the uh, response here was because I I'm like uh, Night of the Comet. What about that? And you were just kind of like LOL or something like that. Okay, 
And so right. I didn't know if that was a good, like an LOL, I love this movie, I can't wait to talk about it, or an LOL, oh, I got to talk about this movie. I, I am <laughs> such a big fan of 80s horror. Um, and I remember seeing this one years ago. Um, it was never one that I, I, I don't think I ever really connected with it the way that I connected with things like, you know, Nightmare on Elm Street, Friday the 13th, um, even, even some of like Romero stuff or, or oh, yeah. the, the return of the living dead films, things like that. I never, I never remember making a big connection with this one. Um, and, and I watched it again and I remember why I didn't make a huge connection with it. <laughs> Well, I can see that because um, it's not original, but you know, in a lot of regards, and uh, it's really cheesy. Um, but I don't know what it is about it. And I'm thinking, I was trying to think, you know, I'm like, well, maybe you know, maybe Sean was like, you know, thinking this is a really cheesy movie to kind of review, and I'm kind of like, why does this appeal to me, and how can I make my yeah. case for this, you know? So I was, I was kind of preparing for the worst, and. <laughs> to me, it's like I, I rewatched it again whenever uh, we brought it up, and I'm thinking it's it's pretty much the '80s vibe that I'm getting. This so captures the '80s to me. You know, I'm a child of the '80s, and I think you're you're pretty close to where I am. You know, you yep. grew up in the yep. '80s, and you love a lot of just what was going on then, and the style, and the kind of attitudes, and the weird things that were going on. Because you look back and you're like, what what were we thinking? I mean, this is you know, it's yeah. a crazy decade. But uh, I don't know, '80s charm. Do you, you do at least appreciate, you know, the the music and the hair and the clothes, and that kind oh, of thing? Absolutely. Oh yeah, yeah. Growing up in the '80s, I mean, I, I always have a very special place in my heart for for anything done in the '80s. Um, and and this one, it just it just makes me laugh when I watch it. <laughs> um, it's it is an '80s horror film through and through. Um, and, and I think that the, they they took it in a bit of a different direction. I mean, if you watch Night of Living Dead, which was, you know, 12 years before 1980, and, you know, you look at some of the Return of Living Dead versus Dawn of the Dead, Day of the Dead, things like that, they took their zombies in a very different direction, um, which gives it kind of its own interesting vibe, you know? Right. Yeah. Yeah. And this this took zombies, you know, kind of in its own direction again. And, and uh, these ones, um, they could talk. They could use weapons. They were almost like Return of the Living Dead style zombies. Almost. Very, very much. Very much that way. Uh, a little more on the brain side. They, they had a little more control um, and, and could do, you know, things that regular people were, were doing, like you said, using weapons and uh, talking and, and that kind of stuff, but they they were still zombies, technically. Yeah. And while this is a zombie movie, um, it, it, for me, it, it doesn't have as much zombie action in it as I would like. You know, we talk about Return, and that has a ton of zombies in it, a ton of oh, yeah. violence and gore, but, you know, this one is kind of light on it. You know, it's it's this more is, about the survivors and yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's to me, it's almost a sci-fi, not quite, mm -hmm. but almost a sci-fi movie with the the comet and all that kind of stuff. It, it has a very um, '80s science fiction kind of feel to it. Yeah, 
Yeah, but, you know, talking about the 80s, and again, maybe it, it, the reason I like this so much is a nostalgic thing for me. But I look, you know, especially sure. we start out in the movie theater, um, and I yeah. just, I love the theater experience. I love that we saw um, the, uh, the, the, uh, the snack bar and the film room and the arcade. I mean, that's a whole, it, it's an experience that we're losing, I think, nowadays, and there are pros and cons to that, but man, there was nothing like going to the theater in the eighties, uh, whenever you couldn't see a movie any other way, you had to go yeah, to the theater yeah. and you experienced that. And you went there and you went to the snack bar, you played some arcade games and you went and you really, really were into what you were seeing. Because again, it's not like you could just be like, well, I can just download this tomorrow off the pirate Bay or something. Or, you know, it's, right. This was a special time, I think, for going to the theater. And, uh, yeah. you know, I, I just, I think I hearken back to those days. And I'm like, oh, we're never going to see these days again. You know, they were so awesome. Well, and that's, that's what I hope for when I go to films now. Like, if I go to the theater, uh, you know, and spend $30 for two of us to go and see a movie. And mm-hmm. I, I want that experience that I had when I was younger. I want to be able to go in and, and fully immerse myself in a film. Um, and it's just, it's not the same now. People spend so much time on their phones. People are talking. People are, you know, and, and you've always had kids that cause problems in the theater. But now it just seems like that's the norm. And, and people are just, they've kind of resigned themselves to just deal with it. And I, I can't, you know, I, I can't tell you how many times I've, yell at people to shut the fuck up in the movie in the middle of a movie and and it just i think that part of it's the money you know it didn't cost me so much money but the other part of it is i mean if i'm sitting at home and i'm watching a movie i've never seen i don't want to talk to anybody i don't want anybody calling i don't want to talk to anybody in the room right i want to feel that whole film experience and and i think that growing up in a time that that's the only way you really saw movies, I mean, new movies anyway, mm-hmm. uh, is at the theater. That was the only way that everyone could see it. So I don't know. I, I guess I just, I kind of yearn for those days. God, I sound old. No, it's, I'm, I'm totally lining up with that. Um, and I especially love that uh, you've kind of, so you've caused a scene in the theater before. You've, you've turned around and you've, you've said. More than. More than a few times, yeah. I'd love you. You're so awesome. That's that's great. I've never had the balls to do that. You know, I've just kind of like stewed in my anger in my seat. Oh no! And Man, then I'm just you. like I vented I to whoever I'm with like afterwards. I'm like those sons of no bitches. Way. You know, <laughs> I will get. People, I get people kicked out of theater in a heartbeat. Oh, you're the man! Wow, wow, I love it. It's so, just it's a it's a respect thing, you know. Yeah, and, and yeah, it's not. That it's very you know, people say it all the time, but common sense and common courtesy aren't common. Right, you know? right. People just have no respect for other people. Yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right, and that's I have a really hard time going to the theater anymore because that's so much what I see, and I'm so distracted by the phones, by the chitter chatter, you know, everything like that. It's it's really hard. I mean, you you just um, you don't have that respect anymore. You're exactly right. Yeah. 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 And uh, what is is there a particular movie that sticks out to you where you were just like, 
I don't know, either so into it and then all of a sudden you got pulled out of it because of these assholes behind you or or is, was there something, any kind of interesting story that you yes. have of one thing that was just like really, really bad? You know, it's it's almost every time. And you, if you go to the theater, I think you have to expect some kind of a reaction from the audience, especially if you're going to see a horror movie. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you have to expect that people are going to react to the film whether they're screaming, whether they're jumping, whether they're, you know, whatever it is. And that is acceptable. I mean, you have to expect that. But when people are literally sitting there on their phones and talking the entire film, or they're sitting there, you know, just being disruptive for no other reason than because they can. Uh, I remember we went and saw, uh, what, what, how is that movie called? Um, Paranormal Activity. Oh, you know, yeah. Mm-hmm. We went to see it in the theater, and of course, people are going to jump, people are going to scream, and that's part of the theater experience. Right. But I remember people bringing in three, four, five year old kids, and I'm like, that <laughs> is that is terrible parenting, number one. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. To take a kid that age who you know for a fact is going to be scarred for life from watching something that like that, and, and or they're just going to be so things. bored that they're just going to, you know, scream well, and make a nuisance the whole time, you know? And, they have no respect for the people around them. Yeah. You bring the kids in like that, find a babysitter. That's all I'm saying. Find a babysitter. Right. Right. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm totally for it. I'm such a jaded uh, theater goer myself. And, yeah. uh, you know, it's it's just, to me, it's the respect. I, I just, I, I, I can't justify paying what I'm paying, especially now that 3D... I- you know, yeah. it, being that we we're seeing this inundation of 3D, it's it's raised the rates on everybody. You know, even if you see oh, a movie 2D, you know, it's it's yep. ridiculous now. And um, so, just going out to see that, I'm like, well, I can wait, you know, another month or you know, six eight weeks here, and I can see this on pay per view or VOD or Netflix or something. You know, I'd, right. I'd, I'd I'd much rather do that. You know, it's it's uh, yeah, it, I hate it's uh, gotten to be that way because honestly. I would so much rather get that full immersion kind of feeling when you go see a film in a theater. It's not like watching it at home. And they, right. we, we went to see Cabin in the Woods in the theater, which was great. Cool. And the the some of the things that were on the screen would be completely lost on a TV. You know, it, there were so many little details that they put into that film that you had to see it on the big screen to catch everything. That's awesome. Wow. That's I, I, I'd love uh, a filmmaker that can do that and uh, yeah. respects that medium. And, uh, you know, I, I've just, um, I don't know if you've uh, been kind of uh, listening to what I have going on and where I've been here in the past several weeks, but uh, I, I just experienced a really cool thing at a drive-in um, in yeah. the past yeah. week or so. Um, but, uh, have you been able to, uh, experience the drive-in thing? Did you go there when you were younger or have you gone there much? I remember seeing Star Wars in the drive-in when I was a kid. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, that was, my parents used to take us to the drive-in all the time because there used to be one near, near here in town. Um, but then they all shut down. But what, what we're seeing now is this huge resurgence in, uh, drive-in theaters, which I think is amazing. Yeah. You know, the, to to bring kind of the new generation into that experience, I think it's great. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I I think it, it 
that's a great word. An experience is exactly what the drive-in is because it's so much more than the movies. You know, just what you're seeing up there because you're hanging out in your car. You know, you either uh, tune into the radio station or the really, really cool retro drive-ins make you put that thing, you know, up from the pole, you know, to to listen to the the movies. But, um, no, it's just a a great, great experience, man, just getting out there in a big-ass field and seeing a movie on a huge screen and being there with people. um, To me, I just loved – and. I've experienced this thing in a theater before. I mean, in you know, decades ago, not not anywhere near mm-hmm. lately. But uh, applause after a film. Yes. Oh, yes. there's nothing yes. like it. Okay, I mean, it, it's just this thing that just like comes over the audience at yeah. once, and I love seeing that in the theater because you can see that those people really enjoyed what they saw. You know, and. and I think the last time I saw that, we went to see the uh, uh, Dark Knight Rising. Oh, Knight Rising. cool, cool. Yeah. So we went and saw that in the theater, and to hear the audience really applaud because they really enjoyed the film. It's not that the filmmakers are going to hear it. Yeah. It's not that any of the actors are going to hear it. it. It's just that it's to me it goes back to a respect thing that look we really appreciate what they've done and what they've put out there for us to enjoy. Yeah. I mean, it's an overflow of appreciation and enjoyment yeah. that you've just experienced. I mean, you can't help but say, damn, I just saw a great, but I can't help but, but express yeah. that just to clap for this. Cause it was so good. And, Absolutely. uh, you know, there, there are very few things, uh, you know, a few times that I've actually experienced that. And, uh, maybe yeah. I'm just in the wrong area. Maybe I'm just in a bunch of, bunch of losers are around here and i'm just uh not really in the place where i need to be but uh i do have to say it's a lot more fun when you're standing as the filmmaker in the theater and seeing that but oh wow uh, it's still you know that that was jack's bad day for example when we uh we were at the premiere of that here in in dallas to hear people applauding and and you know, standing up and, and showing the appreciation, it, it, it's very overwhelming. You know, I mean, I got choked up and it, it, it my first film and I thought it was a piece of crap and, and, <laughs> you know, I, I wasn't terribly proud of it. And to hear people that they really, really enjoyed it, it, it just, it, it does something to you. I don't know. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, uh, something I, I again, I think you're missing just through, a lot of the digital distribution that's going on. And, and yeah, it's really yeah. easy to see a lot of movies on Netflix and Amazon and things like that. But man, to get out there, to get with a group of people and, you know, you know, wow, be social maybe, you know, a little yeah. bit and just, you know, out in human contact. <laughs> human yeah. I mean, yeah. it's, it's crazy. I know, but, um, it, it's something that, uh, man, it's, it's almost dying and I, I'm very sad to see. And, um, yeah, but I, I, I mean, I see myself falling into these um, certain, you know, things. I mean, I see myself just saying, "Well, I'll, I'll see it on VOD. I'll see it on Netflix. Yeah. And why bother going out and spending the extra money?" But whenever sure. I do go out and do that, man, I am so happy that I did, and it is so worth yeah. the, the extra for the most part, you know. And uh, yeah, and, and there's definitely disappointments out there, and yeah. you know, I mean, yeah. we've seen a few of those lately and it's it's still you know i still love the experience you know i mean yeah. we just went and saw 
possession. Oh, cool. Which How was that? It, uh, it, 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 it's all right. <laughs> um, one of the, the big draw for me is it, Sam Raimi was involved. Yeah. Um, and I'm a huge Sam Raimi fan. Yeah, that's never um, a bad thing to see his name on. Right. Screen. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I, it was okay. Uh, I, I will not knock the filmmakers. Uh, I, the pacing for me was kind of strange. Hmm. Um, but uh, I, I think they did a good job. Um, it just, it's not one that I didn't have that. I don't know. There, there's just something missing for me. And I, I, like I said, I enjoyed the film. I think they good, did a good job, but there was just something missing. I, I think that they, they blew a little bit of their load in the trailer. Um, oh. Which is something I see a lot of now. Yeah. Um, yeah. You you go in and, and got. I'm gonna switch films real quick, but no. Tucker and Dale versus Evil. What's Tucker that? And Dale versus, Tucker and Dale versus Evil. Oh yeah, yeah, I saw that. Yeah. Was absolutely wonderful. Mm-hmm. I loved it. That is one of my favorite films. But the problem I have is they showed you every single death in the trailer. Right. And there was there was no it was just sad because you were kind of okay what's what's going to happen that I haven't seen. Well, there're no and, surprises, you know. Yeah. Yeah, there were no surprises. I mean, it it was still hilarious. Uh and I think <laughs> they did like I said, I think they did an amazing job with the film. But I I was kind of disappointed that I'd seen all of these deaths in the trailer. It's like, you guys, you kind of blew your load a little bit. And, and I was hoping for something that I hadn't seen yet, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And that's how I, I, I saw it too. I, I, I saw the trailer and I was really, really excited. And when I saw the movie, it's not that it's a bad movie. You know, it's not that I, I didn't have a great time seeing it because I, I really, really liked it, but uh, you're exactly right. I mean, every great kill, you know, every great bit of, uh, suspense or tension, I guess, or whatever that uh, happened in that yeah. movie, I, I saw in the trailer, and I was I was just hoping. When I see a trailer, I'm I'm kind of hoping that they're misleading me to a certain extent. Yeah. Not misleading me in a bad way, but misleading me, and that uh, they're taking me some direction in this trailer, but then they're going to totally jolt me and take me somewhere oh, yeah. that I, I didn't know and and unexpected and awesome in in the well, full I- movie. No, I, and I totally get that. I think that the trailer should be a little bit of misdirection. Yeah. You know, uh, they show you a little piece of a scene, but then that scene in the film takes you a completely different way, and that's kind of what I hope for, you know? Yeah, yeah. But uh... and, and again, like I said, they, I think they did an amazing job, and it's one of my favorite movies, and, and as soon as it came out, it was I had a copy. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, that was that for me was my only complaint about the movie is that, you know, I, I'd seen the deaths and I, I didn't have anything to <sighs> everything else, everything else kind of made up for it, but there was none of that. Like, I don't know. I, don't know. I, I laughed my ass off. So it, it was worth it. Oh, it was a great time. Uh, another thing for me and, you know, again, totally, you know, switching, let's talk about, you know, Tucker and, and Dale versus evil, but uh, you know, that, to me, the title I think was even a bit a bit misleading. Um, yeah. In that I expected 
more horror, more almost a, a weird supernatural weird yeah. element going on here than actually happened. I, I'm not going to spoil it if people are listening and haven't right. seen it. But, um, you know, it was it was much more of a down to earth kind of it was just yeah. a, a bad set of circumstances that yeah, happened. Exactly. You know, <laughs> and, and so that was it was very surprising to me. It was a very different movie. I think than I expected. So, oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, but uh, not to say I didn't have a lot of fun with it. Um, oh yeah, and and love it. But um, oh yeah, yeah, definitely a great film. Um, you know, and getting back, I guess when we look at uh, Night of the Comet, you know, mm-hmm. we're we're recommending this or not recommending this to uh, to somebody that's never seen it. You know, say you you come up to a horror fan, a guy that says, yeah, I like horror movies. And yeah, you know, sci-fi is pretty cool. Whatever. Um, Night of the Comet, would you give him a, a strong recommendation? Like, definitely put this on your Netflix queue at number one. Or would you say, yeah, if you got a, a slow night, you know, put this on because it's kind of fun or just like, yeah, this thing is a piece of shit. I mean, what what do you think? For, for me, um, if they were a fan of 80s horror, I would definitely recommend it. Um, anyone that grew up in that kind of that kind of time period, it, it's definitely something I would recommend. Um, it definitely has. It is eighties through and through, uh, from the hair to the wardrobes to, like I said, the movie theater, um, the way that things people interacted with each other. Uh, it was very very nineteen eighties. But uh, for the casual horror fan, I, I don't think they'll like it. Um, I, I don't think they would get into it the way that I think people that grew up in that era do. Um, it's It doesn't have kind of the... I don't think it has the staying power of a Friday the 13th or a Halloween or, or Nightmare on Elm Street. Yeah. Um, it, it's definitely... Um, it's definitely dated. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. It's more of an eighties experience than it is like a horror film. Yeah. Uh, you yes. know, in, in the grand scheme of things. So definitely. Yeah. Yeah. I, I can see that too. Um, but you know, I got to say the zombies that we did see looked really cool. I think the, you know, the makeup effects department did, did a great job. Um, I, I know. I think they did a good job there. And, and like I said, I liked that it went a different kind of direction with the zombies. Yeah. Um, because I, I think that zombies are kind of defined uh, in their relative kind of divergence from the George Romero zombie. Oh, yeah. Um, and they are definitely not a George Romero zombie. Um, but they're, they're, they have developed over the years these different, okay, well, these zombies run. Well, these zombies talk, but they don't really talk very well. They don't, you know, and, and you look at, at uh, Return of the Living Dead, where they do talk, but it's usually kind of rudimentary uh, uh, language. It's not a lot of, you know, full full sentences and, and Send cohesive more paramedics. Than, oh, yeah. Yes, that's exactly where I was going to say. <laughs> you know, um, yeah. but it was very kind of stilted kind of, Talking, whereas in Night of the Comet, they're very uh, coherent, you yeah. know? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And they, again, they can use weapons uh, pretty well, 
You know, they're they're yeah. almost you know they're you know almost alive, uh, but they're they're disintegrating, and eventually they're gonna you know kind of I don't know go into this powder kind of stuff and just be nothing again. Um, right. So you know that was the whole gist of it. But again, you didn't you didn't really feel you didn't. I don't know. You didn't. You didn't get into the whole zombie thing. You got into more of the survival thing, and you know there were the yeah. survivors and the government. You know the the think tank, uh, sort right. of military whatever that was going on, and some bandits and stuff. And and uh, did you get the whole uh, Dawn of the Dead homage? I think that they had right in the middle of the movie, where the girls were like, "Well, what are we gonna do? Well, I don't know. Let's go shopping." You know, right. and I, you know, you see this department store that they they're in, and they're trying on clothes sure. and just you know, kind of running rampant in this. And I'm yeah. like, this had to be a total, if not an homage, then a ripoff, I guess, of of Dawn, yeah. at least for the short period of time. And then they run into these right. bandits that are kind of there, and it, you know, kind of, yeah. you know, there's a lot of tension there. But I mean, did you think that when you were seeing that? Did you pick up on that? Oh, definitely. Yeah, uh, and. and- that and then they pulled, you know, the the sunglasses, which everyone in the eighties wore. Oh yeah, those oversized sunglasses. But it's also, you know, it was used pretty heavily in They Live, which is another <laughs> yes. one of my favorites. I love that movie as as bad as some of that is. Um, but one of the things that really struck me when I watched it again is it's really lacking in gore for an eighties movie or for an eighties horror movie. Right. Right. Yeah. We don't see a lot. Not a lot of, not a lot of blood, um, which good or bad. It's just, it's surprising for an eighties horror film that there's just not a ton of blood in it. Yeah. And it's, you know, it it is what it is. I mean, I I don't know. And, and, and they live, you know, hardly had any, gore in it at all any right, blood right. you know it was uh much more of a sci-fi than than anything oh, yeah. uh, a great film and i could man i could go off on that film because i love roddy piper and <laughs> that whole wrestling scene they had what was that in the, in the alley you know between him yeah. and the 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 black guy was uh just a thing of beauty i loved it yeah yeah i i it's i grew up watching rowdy roddy piper and and hulk hogan and andre the giant jake the snake that's yeah 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 jake the snake roberts and i mean that's what i grew up watching along with the horror film you know (laughs) yeah it's a weird mix man when they when they start interchanging it's it's weird right right yeah but uh Oh, yeah, yeah. But uh, thanks, Sean, man, for talking with me about Night of the Comet. You know, again, I know it's not one of your favorites and, and things, but uh, you've really stuck it out here tonight. And uh, it, it's really, really cool that, uh, you know, we could uh, talk about something that, you know, I don't know. I, 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 It was hard to get a hold of this for a long time. Yeah. This is one of those movies that was in distribution hell for you know, yep. a lot of times just because of a lot of different reasons. And... Um, I think I actually read about this um, before I saw it, and I was trying to get a hold of it, and it was really tough. Um, but uh, it was it, so it's one of my more recent zombie movie viewings. Yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, so, but uh, no, no, it was a lot of fun. Um, and it is, and especially like I said, if you're a fan of '84, it's definitely one of those that should be on the list of of required viewings. Um, 
And even if you aren't a huge fan of eighties horror, it's still pretty good for for you know yeah. a film. Like I said, it's 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 pretty dated as far as uh, the interaction between people, the the effects, the the wardrobes, things like that. I mean, it's it's a pretty dated film, but it kind of gives you a little bit of history as to where a lot of films now came from, you know? Yeah. And what if the world would have ended in the eighties? You know, that's what we see here. You know, it's a, that's kind of what would have happened, you know? So a little piece of history, at least that you can uh, appreciate, but uh, yeah. Yeah. So a lot of fun. Now, now I don't know how much time you have here tonight. If I can keep you, you know, a tad bit longer. I don't know if you have a, I'm not going anywhere. Cool. Cool. I love it. Um, you mentioned Tucker and Dale versus Evil, um, and that immediately, for some reason, um, brings to mind the movie Jack Brooks' Monster Slayer. Have you ever seen that? <laughs> I love Jack Brooks. Oh, yet another reason why you are a kick-ass kind of guy, because that's uh, I, I love that movie as well, and everybody that I've talked about uh, talked to about this film... They've been like, eh, you know, they've been bitching about it. They can, you know, they try to pick out everything possibly that they can that is wrong about the movie. And then they're like, well, I hate it because, you know, I, they pick it apart. But to me, uh, man. I, oh. I thought it was a lot of fun. Yes. <laughs> it's it's brilliant in so many regards. And I, I just. Um, if, if nothing else, Robert Englund's part in that film yes. is perfect. It, it is exactly what I wanted him to do, you know? <laughs> I just, it's classic whenever he eats the heart and then he mm-hmm. just kind of stumbles around as this possessed kind of thing, whatever. It's right. brilliance, brilliance, both on his part, because he can act it out, but also, you know, on the right. part of uh, um, the the directors, which um, the, the lead actor of Jack Brooks, and I'm, I'm having a hard time remembering right. their names right now, but he had a part in... Um, at least producing this and John Knotts actually, I think was the, with the director's name. Um, but they did such a great job in instilling their vision, um, so that they could bring this out because, uh, again, I think that, um, Robert England is a fantastic actor. One of the greatest of all time, I think in the horror genre. And it's a lot of hit or miss, um, as far as, what movies he decides to be in but anything he's in i think he does well in for what he's called to do but i think it's in he's, the overall you know. yeah i mean he's he's one of those actors that i always love watching him even if i don't like the film right right of watching him and and he i have very few actors that i feel that way about and lance henriksen is one of the others i mean yes lance henriksen is i've I, I met him a couple of years ago at Texas Frightmare Weekend. Nice. And I, I told him, I was like, you have made me feel every single emotion when watching a film, whether it was uh, watching Powder, which he did an amazing job in, mm-hmm. uh, or watching him in Alien, or watching him in Near Dark, or things like that. I mean, it's just, you made me feel every emotion that a human can feel just watching you on film. And he's just, he's such a down to earth, really appreciative guy. Yeah. Uh, and Robert England is kind of the same way. It's like, I've seen you in so many things playing different kinds of people, whether, whether it's horror or not. I mean, I, I just, I love watching, you know? 
Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I even remember um, my wife. Of course, my wife watches all kinds of uh, crime dramas and all kinds of primetime yeah. TV, which I, I'm, I'm there for. But, yeah. you know, I'm just kind of on my laptop. I just kind of sure, glance up sure. and absorb whatever. But all of a sudden, she's watching some kind of crime drama here within the last, like, year or so. And I look uh -huh. up, and there's Robert England. You know, on uh, you know, on this episode of whatever the hell she was watching, and I look up and I'm like, "Do you realize yeah. who you're watching right now?" And she's like, uh, "No," and I'm like, "That's Robert England. That was that was Freddy Krueger." Right. You know, the, of course, you know, you default to Freddy Krueger, and I'm like, "That was Freddy in the sure. original in the original film." She's like, "Oh, okay, no, really, you know, it, that, that's kind of me and my wife. You know, where we are, she doesn't give a shit. Right. And I'm just totally into it." But, um, yeah. you know, I just saw that, and I'm like, that's really cool that, uh, you know, Robert England, man, he goes from, he's all across the board and just amazing. Sure. And, again, whenever we see him in, um, in uh, you know, Jack Brooks, man, he was mm -hmm. totally awesome. Um, and that's not taking away anything else from who else was in that movie. I mean, it was um, um, uh, Trevor Matthews, who was uh, Jack yeah. Brooks, which was, I loved him. I loved him. He had the total anger management, you know, kind of yeah. thing going on. And uh, and I loved, uh, what what else? The old guy in the hardware store, you know, who was mm -hmm. trying to hook him up with that, that weird piece that he needed for the, the, the right. water valve or whatever. And it was, I mean, man. And just even going down, there were practical effects throughout that whole film. I didn't yeah. see a bit of CG, yeah. which was music to my ears because right i mean i want my actors to get dirty you know i want them you know it's when something is going gory on screen man my actors better be getting dirty and coated in blood right. and guts and gore and whatever um because it's yeah. real to me i mean even to the viewer i appreciate that There's so much yeah, more definitely. and um so which well, is cool it takes it back to the the 80s horror for me because everything was practical you didn't have cg to the extent that you have now I mean, obviously but i mean you didn't have if, if you needed someone to be bloody they had to make that blood and they had to get them on get it on the actors and they had to pump it through tubing and it had to be done practically you know they weren't throwing CG blood all over the place because you know they don't want anybody to get dirty just in case they have to do another take yeah yeah, and uh, I, as a viewer, I just appreciate that so much more. Oh yeah, and uh, but maybe it's me again. You know, I've I know After Effects and a lot of 3D applications and stuff, and maybe I have an eye for it. Um, right. So the run of the mill, I mean, some I don't know, teeny bopper, you know, kind of kid. He doesn't know filmmaking at all. He's just kind of watching films. Yeah. I mean, uh, are they more? acclimated i guess to this whole digital re um, realm that we're seeing nowadays um Honestly, i think they're desensitized to it at this point yeah. you know i mean you, you watch so many things now that they, they don't what's a squib you know people have right. no idea what it is, which bugs the shit out of me yeah you know because that's how it's done you know it, it's how it should because, be done yeah just because you can do it cg doesn't mean you should yeah yeah, man, preaching to the choir here, my friend. It's, uh, oh, but, uh, you know, I appreciate what you're doing, man. And, uh, again, I can just bring up movies and you, you totally, you know, are all over it. And, uh, 
right. It's a, it's a lot of fun. So, well, man, uh, you know, uh, rightlifturnproductions.com is where we can uh, find out more about you and about Sacrament and uh, what's going on. But uh, you got any, any other links you want to bring up uh, right now? Uh, well, we are about to uh, have another little push for Sacrament here pretty soon. And we have nailed down the URL centers for dinner. And uh, that's that's going to be our new push. Awesome. Awesome. And uh, I will definitely uh, put that up on my site in the show notes here. And uh, But definitely. let me know if there's any way that I can help out and uh, promote Sacrament, man. Let me know. Sure. It's, no, uh, we appreciate any help we can get. Absolutely. Well, Sean, it's been a great, great time talking with you. And I could probably keep you up here all night. Um, but of course I'm on the East coast, so it's, you know, it's, it's getting up there and, uh, you're in the great state of Texas, which, uh, I sort of envy in a lot of ways. Um, Well, you you wouldn't envy us here in the summer, but you know, right now it's in the seventies, so it's not too bad. You bastard. You're in the seventies. Oh man. Yeah. Yeah. (sighs) Well, I'm up here in Erie in the North by the lake and, uh, we're getting into snow season here for the next like seven months. So. Yeah, no thanks. I'll, I'll take the heat. <laughs> uh, but uh, no, it, it's been fantastic talking with you, and hopefully, hopefully, you'll maybe, maybe consider you know doing this again and just getting on here and. Oh man, you can pick the movie next time. I promise. Any, you can... Anytime you're ready, I, I, I'm available. I love it. Well, Sean, thank you again. It's been great talking with you, man, and uh, let's do it again. Definitely. Thanks, Have a good man. night. All right. You too. <laughs> Bolts by John F.D. Taff I can hear them coming up the stairs, the pounding feet on the treads, the quiet, gathered whispering of their voices. It swirls up the stairwell like the hiss and sputter of torches. I can smell the smoke, the papers burning in my office. I can hear her in the bedroom, sitting on the bed, rocking. I can hear the mattress squeaking. I can hear her strange, deep muttering, her thick moans. What have I done? Oh God, what have I done? I need to let her go. My worst fear, though, the fear that dulls my brain, that slows the blood in my veins to a crawl, is that it's too late. I saw them online, the bolts. I bought movie memorabilia, props, costumes, little knickknacks. I turned it into an online business over the years, buying pieces from studio auctions, estate sales, filmmakers whose lives had taken bad turns, other collectors like me. I had my own website where I turned around and sold them. It was fun, easy, and it provided a decent living without an office, a commute, or a whiff of anything even approaching actual work. As an added benefit, I could do it from home in the little office in the apartment that I shared with my girlfriend Rachel. Well, Rachel and the stuff that I chose not to sell. The trouble was, at least according to her, that I chose not to sell way too much. We shared a three-bedroom apartment, one of those lofts downtown where the space is open and the rent is steep. Still, we were 17 floors up with a great view of the city and a balcony where we could sip drinks and feel cosmopolitan in the summer. The only problem was that almost every square inch was filled with stuff. One bedroom served as my office, another as storage. The rest of the place was lined with glass cases displaying all sorts of geeky stuff, the uniform cap Leslie Nielsen wore in Forbidden Planet, hero prop phasers and tricorders from various incarnations of Star Trek, a Jedi robe from Star Wars, 
even a fedora worn by Bogart. I replaced a lot of the toys that I had had in my youth and lost. Major Matt Mason, Planet of the Apes figures, Ultraman, and Speed Racer. All for a lot more than my mom and dad had paid for them back in the day. My absolute weak spot was horror movies. Rachel knew that if I happened across some piece from an old Universal or Hammer horror flick, it would most likely not be put up for sale, but instead would join the massive collection that threatened to overwhelm our apartment. I had Bela Lugosi's neckpiece medallion from the 1932 Dracula, one of Lon Chaney's set of werewolf teeth, the dagger Karloff carried as Ardeth Bay and the mummy. I had a stake and mallet used by Peter Cushing on Christopher Lee in one of the cheesy Hammer Dracula films, and Vincent Price's costume from The Mask of the Red Death. That's just a tip of the iceberg. I find it easy to acquire things. I find it hard to let them go. I found the bolts on eBay one morning. The several thousand dollars I had in my PayPal account from a recent sale was burning a hole in my pocket. I sat in my office, still in my bathrobe, still unshowered, a cup of cooling coffee on the cluttered desktop. As my fingers lingered over the keyboard, I felt a warm pair of lips smack the back of my neck. Going to work, Ace, she said. Yeah, she called me names like Ace and Sport. Have a good one, Rabbit, I replied without turning. Yeah, I called her Rabbit. She was small and had big ears. Don't judge. Doing business or adding to the clutter we call home, she asked, her head bent next to mine, her words, her breath tingling in my ear. Can't say just yet. Well, no more superhero dolls for a while. I hate the way they all stare at me when I get out of the shower. That's because you have a hot ass, I said, nuzzling her cheek. Superheroes are notorious ass men. She laughed, and it tickled down my spine. Still, I held up my hand. I make no promises, woman. Rachel kicked the back of my chair playfully. Try to shower and dress before I get home. Again, no promises. Footsteps across the carpet. The front door opened. I love you, Ace. I love you too, Rabbit. The door closed, and I saw it. The listing headline read, Actual Prop Neck Bolts from Karloff, 1931 Frankenstein. The auction came up straightforward enough. A pair of neck bolts that Boris Karloff wore as the creature in the iconic film. The little bolts that conducted the electrical charge that brought all the dead pieces of the monster back to life. A, a kind of life, anyway. The description said that the pieces were made of hard-cast rubber, painted dull silver, in great shape. A certificate of authenticity was included and an actual letter signed by Jack Pierce. Pierce was a makeup artist who might have gone unnoticed except for his work on the Universal Monster films. The actors brought the parts to life, sure, but Pierce's makeup brought the actors to life. What you see in your mind when you picture these horror icons is not the author's descriptions, but Jack Pierce's vision. Dracula's pasty complexion, cape, and widow's peak? Jack Pierce. The mummy's wrinkled skin and slack eyes? Jack Pierce. Frankenstein's flat head, green skin tone, and neck bolts? Jack Pierce. I knew, even as my fingers typed out my bid, I knew I wouldn't be selling these. They arrived late in the afternoon, while I was busy selling two of my less popular action figures. I thought this would make Rachel feel good, particularly when I told her about the life-size Battlestar Galactica Cylon I'd just bought. As I was packing the two figures, Rachel came in from work. She slammed the door, tossed her keys onto the table, dropped her purse, and flashed her eyes over to me. Bad day at work. Bad day in traffic, or just a bad day. I didn't know which, but I knew it didn't matter. There I sat in the living room, 
still in my underpants and t-shirt, in a sea of packing materials. Shit. Rachel took a deep breath, expelled it in a loud, long sound that was half decompression, half pressurizing for the second round of whatever bout she'd been fighting that day. More shit, Ace. Really? She said in a voice where every word gained steam, gained volume. Actually, these are... I tried to begin. Actually, why don't you just sit around in your fucking tidy whities and your fucking Punisher t-shirt all day and just buy, buy, buy? I mean, let's just pack this place like a warehouse. We don't need a bedroom, and you evidently don't even need a bathroom. She lifted her purse from where she dropped it, looked at it as if she had picked up a snake and tossed it to the floor again. I didn't... No, you didn't, she said, cutting my words off as expertly as if she'd done so with a knife. I could almost see them hanging there, dripping meaning or blood or whatever it was that truncated words drip. You didn't get dressed, you didn't shower, you didn't clean the place like I asked. You didn't do jack shit. What is it again that attracts me to you? Can, can you remind me? I shrugged, threw my arms wide. My irrepressible charm? Rachel narrowed her eyes, prepared to say something, then stomped off into the bedroom instead, where she slammed the door, but missed the satisfaction of several action figures arranged on shelves outside the bedroom, toppling to the floor. I took the opportunity to quickly clean the place, picking stuff up, lightly dusting with an old sock, putting dishes into the dishwasher, and giving everything in the kitchen a light spritz of Windex and a rubdown. Then I jumped in the shower in the second bathroom in my office, brushed my teeth, pulled on some real clothes, and went back into the main room. She still hadn't come out, so I made a quick call to her favorite Thai takeout, opened a bottle of Chardonnay, set out some dishes and candles. When the food showed, I paid the delivery guy, took the brown paper bag, reeking of deliciousness, to the table, lit the candles. And I did what I should have done from the very beginning. Waited. After a while, the aroma of the food seeped under the door, yanked at Rachel's nose as in one of those cartoons. The candles had burned halfway down, and my chin was slumped against my fist, elbows on the table. I heard the door creak open slowly, a small, dark figure standing in the dark wedge of the bedroom. Dinner? I jerked awake, jumped to my feet. Rabbit, you okay? She lingered in the dark, one of her small hands grasping the edge of the door. Yeah, pretty sorry, though. Sorry, I asked, as if struck by momentary amnesia. For what? For being an asshole, for dumping on you as soon as I got home without even saying hello. She considered this for a moment. You know, that kind of stuff. Already forgotten, I said. Apartment is clean. Boyfriend is clean. Dinner is served, though probably a little cold by now. I saw her face peer out through the darkness. Saw the smile that had attracted me to her originally. The bedroom was in total night. The dining room lit by only candlelight. But man, her smile lit the room. Every corner of it. We ate dinner. Me finally giving her the space to say what she needed. It was relatively tame stuff, the normal ingredients in your run-of-the-mill bad day. I didn't really mean it, she said after a while, staring at the pile of cold pad thai on her plate. Listen, I know you're pissed about all the stuff I buy. Silly boy, she smiled, and it totally, I mean completely, removed any sting from what she just said. You make your own money. You can buy whatever you want. It's just that, well, you can't let go of things. Why can't you let go? I sold two pieces today. And how many pieces did you buy? I thought about that life-size Cylon, and I took a deep breath. Let's start house hunting again. You've been wanting to do that. Sure, let's find a nice new place so you have even more square footage to fill, she said, then immediately looked at her plate. Sorry.
I bit my lip. So, what are you saying? Slowly, she raised her hand, gave me a shy version of the flashier smile. I'm saying that I'm sorry. And if you could let go of some of this stuff, if you could let a little of me into this apartment, that'd be great. I felt something tight and nervous within me deflate, and a smile floated to my face. Are we talking chintz and wicker and old country roses, or candles, hippie beads, and patchouli? Neither, fuckface, she said. Another pet name. Now take me to the bedroom or lose me forever. I did, and we made the kind of love that told me it was all okay. For a while, at least. Then, as they say in the movies, she died. Well, they don't actually say that in any movie I'm aware of. Yet, still, she died. Rachel and I seemed to move past some barrier in our relationship. I sold more things than normal, especially after the Cylon arrived. One night a few weeks later, we went to bed, turned off the lights, and snuggled in the warm sheets. The sounds of the city through the open window were comforting. Police sirens, the blat of car horns, the squeal of tires, all far enough away to sound strangely soothing, like crickets in the country. Sleep came quickly. The next morning was Saturday, and I got up, left Rachel to sleep a little. I snuck into the kitchen and rooted through the cupboards, and found the stuff to make banana pancakes. I had a few stacked on a plate before I looked at the clock again. Nearly 10 a.m., and it seemed strange that she wasn't awake yet. Turning off the gas, I placed the last pancake onto a plate, slid the pan into the sink. The bedroom was quiet still. A picture-perfect beam of golden sunlight shafted through the slats in the blinds, fell all dusty sparkly onto the comforter. I sat on the edge of the bed and moved my hand through the spray of dark hair that fell across her pillow. Rabbit, breakfast is ready. I smoothed away her hair. It wanted to drape her cheek. I kissed her there, with my hand holding her hair to the side. Cold. Rabbit, come on. I moved the covers aside, rolled her over. She flopped bonelessly onto her back, one arm flailing out and striking the headboard hard enough to have hurt. Her eyes were closed. Her mouth was closed, too, and I couldn't hear her breathing. I was holding my own breath now, wanting to say her name, but unable to articulate one word, one sound. My hand, shaking badly, went to her forehead, her cheeks, her throat. Each time I called her name in my head, Rabbit, Rabbit, Rabbit. Then, Rachel. It came from my mouth, strangled and dry, as near a wail as anything I had ever uttered. She didn't stir. My shaking hand went to her chest, palm flat against her sternum. Nothing stirred beneath it. Her skin was as cold and plastic as a doll's. I swallowed something dry and raspy that lodged in my throat, blocked my airway. She was dead. I scooted across the bed, fell to the floor with a thump. I sat there for a few moments, sat and didn't move, sat and didn't think. My brain ran, just ran, like a runner who didn't know when he'd crossed the finish line, didn't know where to stop, how to stop. I swallowed the bolus that seemed to clog my throat, and my heart lurched into motion again with a tremor. Pulling myself up, I leaned over the bed. She was mostly uncovered, my rabbit. She still wore her t-shirt from the night before. Her limbs were thrown across the bed, her hair sprayed across both our pillows. Her skin was blue, light, unnatural blue. The warm morning sunlight falling through the window had given it the illusion of life, but there was none. My rabbit. My sweet rabbit. My brain thoroughly disengaged. I shuffled into the kitchen, drank a cup of coffee, picked at the pancakes. I waited for my brain to tire itself out, come back from wherever it was, 
and tell me what to do. I could not make the call. I could not imagine making that call. The call that would bring men who would come and take her away on a metal gurney. As I sat there, her body cooling in our warm, early morning bed, I looked around the place, looked and saw all of the stuff, my stuff, staring back at me. Without thinking, I launched myself from the chair, sent it skittering across the tile floor into the kitchen. I grabbed the nearest glass case, five feet tall and filled with memorabilia, and toppled it over, screaming in anger. The entire case shattered, spraying the floor with shards of broken glass, figures, broken bits of irreplaceable items. Breathing heavily, I went into my office, kicking, arms thrashing, sending things into the air, across my desk, clattering to the floor. I shrieked, wordless and raw, and I stomped and threw and tore the papers until I was exhausted. Finally, I slid on some papers, fell to the floor amidst the carnage. I looked around the room, panting like an animal, stunned at what I'd done. Then my eyes caught them there, on the floor, atop a flutter of papers, sealed in a plastic bag. Frankenstein's bolts. I realized two things instantly. I hadn't yet cried. I'd completely lost my mind. Spirit gum. I can remember the smell of it filling the room as I uncapped the small brown vial of the stuff. Spirit gum. Strange name, considering my intentions. I stood in the doorway to the bedroom for a long time, the vial in one hand, the plastic bag with the bolts in the other. Stood there as the sun climbed up the blinds, watching her, my rabbit. She seemed so small in our bed, so tiny, so forlorn with her arms thrown open and hair tussled, her eyes closed, her face drawn into a small moo, like she was frustrated or annoyed with me. My brain, understand, was still gone, still moving into the distance. Kneeling at the side of the bed, I carefully brushed aside her dark hair, exposed her neck. I unsealed the plastic bag, knocked one of the bolts into my hand. The two were slightly different. One had a blunt cap, like the head of a nail. The other was just a flat rod. Each had a little L-shaped wire that angled out like a tiny antenna. There was a thin circle of rubber around the base where it attached to the neck, which was then covered with makeup. I remembered from pictures of Karloff as Frankenstein that the capped bolt was on the right. With trembling hands, I applied a smear of spirit gum to the rubber seal. Taking a deep breath, I placed the bolt on Rachel's neck, guessing about where it should be. The spirit gum stuck immediately, but I held it in place until I was sure. When I finished, I looked at her. The bolt seemed to be in the right place, seemed to make a straight line through her neck. I nodded, pleased with the work I had done, then collapsed in the chair at the foot of the bed and waited. Waited. After an hour or so, I stood and tried to rouse her. Nothing. Then it struck me. Of course! They weren't bolts at all. They were electrodes. In the end, I ripped the electrical cord out of the lamp on the nightstand, peeled it apart, stripped both ends with a paring knife. I wrapped each bare wire around one of the bolts, careful not to pull them from her neck. The Y shape of the cord draped her unmoving chest as if she had fallen asleep wearing a pair of earphones, listening to music. I closed the blinds against the sun, and the room swam in darkness. My hand, holding the plug, hovered over the outlet. My brain, exhausted from its long run, was making its way back, bringing with it the first slivers of doubt. But I plugged it in. And, well, nothing. 
There was no Frankenstein's laboratory scene of arcing electricity and showers of sparks. No crazy flashing lights or breakers popping. She didn't suddenly seize on the bed, her teeth clenched. Her hands didn't tighten. Her toes didn't point. My hand moved to pull the plug when I saw it. Subtle, beautifully eldritch. Thin arcs of violet-white electricity zagged across the tiny gap between the antennae and the bolts. A soft sizzle accompanied this, an electric razor heard from a distance. The smell of ozone reached my nostrils, as fresh and clean as the air after a spring shower. I thought of how the bolts, made of rubber, couldn't possibly conduct electricity. I knew that they would melt, would have to melt. I saw her chest expand suddenly, rise. I heard a strangled breath escape her suddenly open mouth, the intake of another, sounding as if it would never end, never draw enough breath to fill her lungs again. I cried, finally. Not just because she was alive, but because she was crying, too. I helped her into the shower, or she slumped in my arms as the water fell over her. Her hair went lank, plastered to her face. She was jabbering, incoherent. It wasn't just that she didn't make sense. She wasn't making words. Her eyes were dull, vacant, staring right through me, no sign of recognition, of awareness. I thought she might have had a stroke, must have had a stroke. A hospital. I needed to take her to a hospital. I held her slippery, trembling body in the crook of one arm while I prepared to remove the bolts from her neck. How to explain those? She must have been alive all along. Had to have been. I mean, Christ, I wasn't a doctor. How could I be sure that she hadn't actually been breathing, that her heart hadn't actually been beating? What had I been thinking? Gluing those bolts to her neck, zapping her with a lamp cord? Shit, I might have really killed her. As my hand neared the bolt on the right side of her neck, made ready to peel it off, fling it across the room, she flinched, and her eyes rolled in their orbits, focused on me. I saw two things in those eyes. The first was sadness, an almost wistful sorrow. The second was fear, tinged with revulsion. My hand paused, fell away. Her skin was a pale, luminous blue. More disturbingly, there were patches of deep green that looked as if they were floating on her skin like algae on a lake. Her flesh was no warmer than it had been, even though the shower was hot. She hadn't been alive earlier, and she wasn't alive now. A single finger reached out and touched the bolt on her neck. I was rewarded with a brief light shock, like walking across a carpet and touching a doorknob. As I jerked my hand away, she moaned, thick and full of grief, slumped in my arms, and began to weep again. I eventually wrestled her to the bedroom and put some clothes on her. She was shivering, icy cold. It was like trying to put clothes on a human-sized doll. She didn't help, didn't try to help, didn't seem to know how to help. It was all I could do to get a t-shirt and a pair of shorts on her. When she was dressed, I led her to the kitchen, step by lurching step. I lowered her forcefully into a chair. She was unwilling or unaware of how to bend to conform her body to that shape. Her hands gripped my arms tightly, sank her nails in my flesh, but she eventually sat, rigid, straight-backed. I sat beside her, looked at her. Her dark hair was still wet, still adhered flatly to her head. Her skin was a mottled blue-green, so pale, devoid of anything red or pink, the colors of health, of life. Her eyes were pale, too, as if the lens had fogged over with a green-yellow mist. And the bolts, they completed the look, jutting from her neck, spidery electrical arcs jumping intermittently across their antennae. Rachel looked at me, dull and sad. Each move of her eyes, her head, 
Her body was ponderous, slow, even when she blinked. She was still crying softly, her sobs thick and garbled, as if coming from deep within her. Rachel, I said, touching her arm. Rabbit, it's okay. It's okay. You're okay. Her eyes fixed on me, and the look I thought was uncomprehending suddenly took on a horrible clarity. She tried to speak, to say something, but it just came out as a long, grunting, mmm. Her head shook, slowly at first, from side to side, then more powerfully. No! I reached out to embrace her, but she pulled away, her eyes tracking down to my arm, then widening in fear. Mmm, she growled, trying to grab my arm with fingers that didn't work. Her head still shook from side to side, spraying spittle across the table. I looked down at my arm, the arm she had grabbed as I had forced her into the chair. There were four perfect half-moon cuts from her nails in the meat of my forearm, each weeping blood that had run down to my wrist and dripped to the floor. They were deep, and they bled profusely. She continued to hold my arm with one hand, while the other found its way to her mouth, wedged inside and muffled the already impenetrable sounds of her distress. I cleaned myself up, applied some band-aids while she looked on, propped against the bathroom doorframe, still muttering. When I finished, I showed her the arm, told her it was okay, but she looked away, groaning. I took her back to the kitchen table, sat her down, this time more easily, and sat myself, trying to figure out what to do. If you're wondering, yes, there was a tiny, annoying voice at the back of my brain that was screaming in the mad voice of Colin Clive, It's alive! It's alive! It's alive! When I looked up from my reverie, she was stuffing cold banana pancakes inexpertly into her mouth. Gobs of chewed pancake coated her lips, fell onto her t-shirt. She smiled then, smiled with teeth coated in gummy yellow, her greenish tongue lolling like a happy puppy's. My rabbit. Dear Lord. A few days passed, then a week. The phone rang off the wall, her office, her friends, her family. I didn't answer, didn't know what to say. Rachel, she's fine. Well, she did die, but I glued some Frankenstein bolts to her neck, real ones, and she's getting better. I helped her dress every morning, helped her eat, helped her bathe. I brushed her teeth and hair, both of which started to come out. A few clumps of hair in the brush, another tooth in the sink every morning. I helped her use the toilet, but I don't want to talk about that at all. She didn't like to be away from my side or out of sight of me, so we spent the days mostly sitting in the main room, watching television or reading. Well, I read, she mostly stared into space, or at me, all the while grunting at me in her strange, guttural new voice. Neither of us slept much. I'd wrestle her into bed, and she'd lay there as stiff and unmoving as, well, as a dead girl, muttering through the night. I was able to sneak out a few times to get food and groceries. Each time when I came back, she had destroyed some new section of the apartment. Not deliberately, mind you, just staggering around in anguish, looking for me, waiting for me to return. When I did, she shuffled to me, weeping, as she often did, hugging me tightly and moaning, her eyes both sad and reproachful, like a dog disappointed at its master for leaving, but overjoyed at his return. After a couple weeks, the knocking at the door began. First, the gentle, tentative knocks of family and friends, then the more forceful knocking of the police. I didn't answer, didn't know what to do. The landlord called, threatening, letting me know the police had been by. The other tenants had been complaining about the loud noises, 
the midnight shrieks, the crashing and banging that occurred at all hours, and the odd smell. It couldn't go on. I couldn't go on. Not like this. Late on a Sunday night, we sat on the couch together, watching television. By chance, Frankenstein was on one of the classic movie channels. I hadn't seen it in a long while, so I let it play, despite some misgivings over how Rachel might react. But her rocking and moaning seemed to subside a little, and I thought she might actually be watching it. Towards the end, that's where I got the idea. After the villagers chased down the good doctor and his creature, torches blazing, cornered them in a windmill, set it on fire with the monster inside. In the movie, the creature hurled his creator out of the windmill, where he was saved by the villagers. I didn't expect, didn't want that for me. I simply can't let go. She knew this. The room is warm now. I can feel the heat. There's knocking at the door, pounding. I ignore it as best I can. The door is solid steel. If they break it down, and they might be able to, it will take some time. I sit on the bed and hold her hand, her cold, cold hand. She turns to me, and her face is blank. She mouths words, but they're just sounds, really. Deep, guttural. Her free hand paws at the air, finds my face as if by accident, strokes it roughly. Her eyes lock on mine, but they aren't her eyes anymore, not the eyes I remember. These are a spoiled, poisonous green, lined with yellow. Her mouth moves again, her lips twitch and grimace, her tongue twists thickly around words that I finally understand. Silly boy. So I hold her hand, rest my head on her shoulder, and feel a trickle of her cold drool drip down my neck, pool in the hollow of my collarbone, and let go. Corpses that have been dead for 27 years do not get up and go for a walk by themselves. There we go. Oh, what fun we had this week. Thank you to Sean Ewart, Right Left Turn Productions. Fantastic guy, fantastic company, doing some uh, really cool stuff over there. And uh, if uh, you get a chance, go support Sacrament, because it looks like a lot of fun. You can uh, see the trailer that they shot for that up on their website. And all these links, of course, will be uh, in my show notes, as always. Um, yeah, thank you to John F.D. Taff uh, for giving me permission to read uh, Bolts. Man, that great story and really fun reading that. And I hope you guys all enjoyed it. And just know that, uh, you know, there's, there's more great stories in Little Deaths. And it's, uh, again, very diverse. A lot of different stories going on. They're not all these, you know, monster kind of stories and things like that. Uh, he's, he's very very diverse like i said and uh yeah yeah so that was wonderful thank you again to john for that and uh stay tuned here shortly as i'm gonna get out that uh, electric chair show uh the electric chair 2d um and uh the drawing for the books so thank you for listening the electric chair uh no no electric chair show.com uh, is uh where you can find this uh this wonderfulness here um of course i'm on facebook and twitter and i always appreciate if you fo follow me or friend me or you know whatever you want to do um that's about it that's about it had a lot of fun this week thank you for listening and i'll be back again next week for more electric chair all right Drive.